0: of our message this evening is many believe in anything but God. There's a big movement out there that uh, encourages people to believe uh, in the ludicrous (laughs) rather than just come and believe uh, in the simple fact that God is the creator of all things uh, and he is the one who loves his creation. So, Acts chapter 14 verse One And it came to pass in uh, Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that uh, a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. This is Paul and Barnabas continuing on in their uh, their preaching of the gospel. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil-affected against the brethren. Long time therefore a bold day, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part uh, with the apostles. If you move on down to verse 8, please. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. And the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving uh, that he had faith to be healed, said uh, with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, They lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycomia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. They called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes, they tore off their clothes, and ran in among the people, uh, crying out and saying, "Sirs, why do ye eat these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should not, t- that ye should turn uh, from these uh, vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all." things that uh, are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave us all rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and with these things scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. We'll end there. We'll ask God that a blessing the reading of his precious and earned word. Let's just commend ourselves to the Lord in prayer before we go to the mm-hmm. Loving Father, we just thank you for your word. And again, we just commend ourselves to you that Lord, that as we hear your word and we dissect uh, your word, uh, Lord, that the Holy Spirit may lead us into the truth. That we need to know. And Lord, it is our desire this evening, if there's anyone listening to this message that, are, that is outside of Christ, that, that doesn't really know the truth of God's word, that they may be made clear through in that power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit may lead them uh, in conviction of their sin. And Lord, that we may see glorious things happening here. Uh, Lord, of people being saved, maybe even people being restored, believers being restored. Lord, we know life's tough at times. Lord, we know that even the believer can grow cold. Lord, we pray there may be an encouragement here this evening uh, through your word. Of course, Lord, we do this all for your glory and your glory alone. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> The old devil is presented to us by the world as uh, someone uh, that's a a cartoon figure, if you like. Someone that has no influence uh, at all. In fact, it's not really a real person. It's just something that people have conjured up in some way to uh, keep uh, the world under the thumb of, uh, of their God. And we know that to be true because we see it day and daily in the pronouncements made by those who don't believe in God. Satan, as the devil of this world, has a desire for the soul of the unsaved tonight. He, in fact, and when I say, he has a desire for the soul of the unsaved. He even has that desire to put the uh, believer off track and lead them down a path which leads them away from that true fellowship with god but in in reality he's concentrating on those that are unsaved and he wants to keep them away from the, from the truth of god he is the old devil who seeks to keep you uh, as being unsaved in the darkness of self-doubt is there a god Why can I not see him? But what about catastrophes? Uh, The little children that are killed every year and all the catastrophes that happen throughout the world, the plane crisis, the the earthquakes, all the the injury and and, uh, loss of life throughout the world. Where was God when these all happened? Why do I need to become good living and stop enjoying life? That's a, that's a relative one, yeah. You know, why should I come and, and be a Christian? I'm, I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to lose all the enjoyment of going clubbing or or going out uh, uh, drinking or all those other things that, that really excite me and really do great things for me. There is one thing that is sure. As far as the devil is concerned, he makes it his business to keep the unsaved under this bondage shackled to the burdens of life handcuffed to failure wallowing in self-pity and distracting with things that don't really matter often you'll get preachers who'll tell you oh sin's a terrible thing it'll not give you any joy it'll not do this or it'll not do that we have to say that's rubbish the sin will give you joy Sin will give you happiness, but we know, you and I as believers know, that that will only be for a short time, it doesn't last. In fact, sin gives you that joy, but it leads you back down into, as uh, John Bunyan says, uh, "By bike path metal. It takes you away from God, and it takes you away from the real peace that God can give you. Are you in that stage tonight? are you a person who struggles to get the truth of life struggles to get the truth of of what is real and what isn't real i've long since given up listening to the the likes of the bbc news and the itv news because all you're getting there is, is fabrication of what's going on in the world it's important that we work it out ourselves, it's important that when we're searching for that truth, that we see that the only truth that there is, is that truth in God. There are many who are bound and gagged and imprisoned in the grave clothes of a lost eternity, only because they've never considered God. They'd rather believe in so much else, so much other fabrication. That actually believe in the true God. Who is He, and what He, what what does He want from me? Is really a question that we should be asking. There is a rampant belief that, of course, that all are going to heaven when they die, and it's certainly not a reality that is taught by God, and it's never seen in God's Word that. Uh, everyone is going to heaven. We see it so much today. I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it at funerals uh, where we're told uh, that in secular, in secular funerals, not funerals of people who have uh, who have known the Lord and died. But uh, the, uh, the preacher may, may turn around, or the speaker may turn around and say, "You know what? It's, it, it's not goodbye. It's only goodnight. We'll all see each other again in that heavenly place." How sad it is to be able uh, that we have the necessity to tell the world that this is not the case. That's not what God says. The devil spawns these lies, and we must be careful against them. You remember he was the author of lies when he said to Eve, Yea, hath God said. this was in relation to obedience to god and he sought to cast out you remember in the garden of eden genesis 3 verse 1 he he came up slumbering up to eve and he says yea hath god said did he really say that did he really say you're not to eat of that tree see the world again we go back to the thought of the devil and the, the the whole aspect of the cartoon devil and that's really what people look at the Garden of Eden and they say, well, Adam and Eve, they're only cartoon characters. They weren't real. Well, if they're not real, why did God give me them? To to tell me about them. To tell me about the beginning of creation. To tell me how that man has fallen into sin. Eve was deceived, but Adam, he willfully took of that fruit. The devil cast out. Yea, hath God said He's doing this today? Of course. Uh, You may not know me, but I I I hold firmly, and I hope you do here too, to the the authorized version of God's word. I believe that what has happened in these years has been a dilution, has been an attack on the word of God from the devil himself, where he has removed certain. Uh, certain doctrines out of God's word so that we can uh, so that it is watered down uh, that we do not have to be obedient we do not even have to consider the sin that's in our lives that all we have to do is is just walk a walk and talk a talk which is uh, something that uh, we can align with God in some way so as we consider the position that perhaps many are found in tonight uh, in relationship to God a position of separation from sin uh, or, or a separation from God in sin I want you to consider the title of the message, many believe in anything but God and first of all I want to look at the contentions of life that we've read about here in chapter 14 of Acts in the first four verses uh, that we read them Faced with the facts of life, as God declared to the Jews and to the Greeks at Iconium, many turned from uncertain ways, and they believed in the gospel that was preached to them by Paul and Barnabas. You see, the preaching of God's word returns souls. God's word will not return unto him. It's up to you and me. We must be a prayer for the souls of our families. We must be at prayer for those that are unsaved, maybe even uh, unsaved people here tonight. There's a necessity to remember them in prayer. Paul did some journeying in the preaching of the gospel. In fact, really, he saw the gospel of salvation, the salvation of souls a priority. It was a matter of life and death. Such is the turning of souls to Jesus Christ that. Those who are still in their sin resented the fact that so many have believed and their lives were changed. You see, the world and the devil don't want to see people saved. They don't want to see you saved. They don't want to see you, uh, even as a believer, living a life that is, uh, is right with God. And that is proclaiming who Jesus Christ is in your life. There were many Jews and Greeks that had changed their way and this caused difficulty in the world of religion. We saw this morning religion saves the one. We can be as religious as we want to be. We can go from church meeting to church meeting. Uh, but if we're not saved, uh, then we are lost. But the Jews and Greeks had changed their way and this caused many problems. Look at verse 2 and. Uh, our reading tonight of Acts chapter 14. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. You see, those people didn't like the gospel. And they didn't like to see people getting saved. Contention, opposition to the gospel in these people's lives. Do you know people that are opposed to the gospel, perhaps they're in your life, maybe even in your family. There may be people who you would come into contact with every so often. Remember one person saying to me a long time ago he was in a group of people, so he had an audience and he said, There are many contradictions in the Bible. How can you possibly believe that Bible that you that you preach from? I said, That's fair enough. What are those contradictions? So he screwed out the usual couple of contradictions that most people do, and I I spoke to him about about him. And I remember, there was a crowd around him here. I says, "Have you any more?" And he says, "Aye, ah, well, there is many more. I just can't remember all of them at the moment." I said, "So you're basing your your lack of uh, knowledge of God on 2 contri—what do you think to be contradictions?" He spoke to me later, obviously, in the quietness of only him and me. I said, you know, I wasn't really getting at you. There are just, you know, there are, there are, there are there's so many confusing things happening. If you have opportunity, of course, to, to speak to him and testify to him. But that's the life that we have today. Once people in the world get an idea that um, seems to be... Uh, they're happy with if you like. They run with it. And then there's other people get on board and they run with it. And, and you know, before you know it, there's a whole lot of people saying, you know, the same thing. We need to work it out ourselves. We need to see the truth for ourselves. Change in a person's life. Is an embracing of the gospel and it will result in change. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, there will be a change like no other, there will be a peace like no other. You're either saved or you're not. There is that sense of what Jesus spoke about as far as the parable of the building on the rock rather than the sand. If we build on the the sand of this world, we will be at a loss, and that can't be. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew 7 of 24 to 29. We must be built on that rock. We must be built on that rock of Jesus Christ, the truth. He is the truth of all things, and why should we reject him? Jesus was that rock who was able, as God in the flesh, to cleanse even the darkest of diseases. Matthew 8, verses 1-3, to 3, the leper who called out and said to Jesus, Lord, if, if thy will, thou canst make me clean. What did Jesus say to him? He said, Be thy king. What a physician that was. He can cleanse the darkest disease tonight of sin against God. And as this leper came in faith, uh, as we also must do in the coming of repentance, of turning away from sin uh, and sorrow for that sin which separates us from God, we turn to God through Jesus Christ who is able to heal us as he healed that leper. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know the healing power of Jesus Christ as far as your sin is concerned? Look at verse 4 uh, that we have in this passage. Verse 4 says, But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. The gospel can cause division. The gospel caused division, perhaps even in, in families. We know that uh, Jesus spoke of this uh, as uh, in Matthew 10. He said divisions would occur in families because of him, because of that acceptance of him, because of that taking in of him, there would be divisions in families. Did he want divisions in families? No, he didn't. We know God's word tells us that he wants all to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. As with many today, there is a division. Some will have no thought for Jesus Christ. Others respond to the conviction or charge of the Holy Spirit, and they come as they are. And they repent of their sin and, and just fall into the hands of God. You know, the joy of that is that He will keep you forever. Who will you be? Will you be the one who builds upon the sand, or will you be the one who depends on what the world has to give you? As already pointed out, there's so much deception in this world today. Surely you can see it. There are many contentions of life. There's continuance of life. And we saw that in in verse 8 onwards to verse 10 in this passage. Here we have another example of someone who has the same afflictions as many today. And he came to hear Paul preach about Jesus Christ. What a time this was for anyone to come and seek out the apostles who were healing as Jesus did before. And he left in his ascension unto heaven. This man comes and Paul sees his faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he heals him of an affliction that he had suffered from his birth. What a joy it must have been uh, for this man. Look at verse 10. Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on my feet and look what happened. And he leaped and he walked. What a miracle. There are many charlatans today in their miracle crusades who uh, attempt to do these same miracles who claim that they are apostles even today and they can't do it. This was a particular Time in the in the infancy of the church that allowed the apostles to show who they were. God had uh, Christ had given them this power through the Holy Spirit to do these things. Does God heal today? Does God the Holy Spirit come into life today and heal? Yes, He does, but not in the same way that he, that we see Paul and, and Barnabas here doing uh, at this time. This man comes to Paul and he's healed. You know, we too have that affliction that we've suffered from our conception in the womb of our mothers. Sin is something that is inherited by us. We have that inherited sin from Adam. But we also have actual sin. You and I today, we still sin even though with that inheritance then we have our own continued sin in our lives you may say to yourself well i'm not i'm not that bad a sinner you're you're telling me that that i'm sort of dark, some sort of dark person that i'm some sort of uh, person that runs about in the shadows doing sin you know that's not what i mean for you to say that you have no sin in your life whatsoever We know that to be wrong, don't we? We all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul tells the church in Rome. However, as God, as he did in Paul's day with this man, provides this means of healing the division that we have with God. Sin separates. We looked at it this morning, if you remember. Uh, And the first verses that we went to were found uh, in Isaiah 59. I want to go back to that uh, this evening, Isaiah 59. I want you to take note of what we read. We read from verse 2. And we saw that um, our iniquities have separated. Our sin separates us from God. The least little sin separates us from God. God tells us that we've all sinned. But I want you to go back to the first verse. And the first verse says, Behold, the Lord's hand does not shorten, that it cannot see it. Neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. I said to you this morning uh, that there are many who say they, or who are unsaved and they say little prayers unto God. And that, uh, through the, the scripture references this morning, I was able to show you that those Prayer reaches go no further than the ceiling, and they fall down. There is no link. I often tell the kids, you know, um, it's like having a mobile phone, and you have all the uh, all the flashing lights on the mobile phone. Without, you know, you can turn it on, and you can see great things. You can do uh, a lot of things with it, but unless you have that SIM card uh, in it, you can contact nobody, nobody whatsoever. You can get all the lights flashing and so on, but there will be no contact with anybody, and that's the same as our life today. Unless we have Jesus Christ, we have nothing in God. There is no contact with God whatsoever. But I want you to see that uh, that verse one of chapter fifty-nine of Isaiah. God hears the repentant sinner. As you put that sin card in, you can contact God. And that's really a simplistic look at it. I know that. But once you have Jesus Christ in your life, you can now contact God. He hears you as the repentant sinner, the one who wants sin dealt with in, their, in your life. The darkness in your life. He wants, that, uh, he wants you to deal with it. And you see, God is consistent when it comes to His Word. To be a child of God and have that assurance of salvation in their life, there needs to be a response from you tonight. If you're unsaved here, there needs to be a response. God calls out in love. The love and mercy of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, come, come as you are come in that repentance and realize that that sin is separating you from a holy God. Come in that confession, that repentance and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That he went to the cross and died for you. He stood in your place and paid a debt of sin that you owed before God. And he took it all for you. That's the faith that any believer has in Jesus Christ. To reject Christ makes you responsible for your sin against God and condemns the unrepentant sinner to a place in the torments of hell. I've often wondered, you know, thinking of God, the, the Word of God talks about this eternity that we go into there's an eternity in heaven the judgment in heaven or the judgment in the hell how long does it pay, do, do you? how long is the payment for your sin well it must be eternal it's so serious against God that we sin against God's righteousness and perfect holiness that it takes that eternity and that means there's never an end the payment that we need to pay god for our sin for the sinner that is that responsibility we are responsible for our sin against god salvation healing is not a process i have to add but it is a one-off redemption act from God. Your conviction, you may be here this evening or you may be listening to this this evening and you've heard it for a long, long time. There may be a time when you when you nearly came to Jesus Christ and, and asked him to be your saviour. But when that time comes and you pray unto him in confession of your sin, and in repentance and faith, you ask Him into your life, that is a one-off transaction. It's done with, it's dealt with, there and then. There's no turning back. What should be that genuine response prayer to God through Jesus Christ? First let me quote the psalm. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, The word nigh meaning near. Of course, the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. The word broken here means to be smashed in pieces. The word contrite means to be crushed in humility before God. What does that mean? You know that when you are convicted of your sin, that there will be that time when you will be broken, you will be Uh, crushed in that humility before God, realizing that you needed a saviour. That's real salvation. To respond to God in prayer, there must be that sense of brokenness and humility. Consider what we uh, may confess to God in response to his calling tonight. That we would repent uh, repent of our sin. That we would acknowledge that we were sinners and cannot save ourselves. Confessing our failures and sin towards God, and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place to atone for our sin, to pay for our our sin. I want you to note something: you can come to God with that prayer as a means for insurance purposes, but that will never save you. You can say little prayers and just simply say, Well, I am saved. Uh, I said a wee prayer to God, i asked Jesus into the heart of life, and now I am saved. But unless we see that thought of that broken heart, that, that contrite spirit before God, that realization of, of the sin that separates us from God, then that little prayer means nothing. There needs to be that repentance. Life may well go on if you walk out tonight without Christ, I can assure you of that. James says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. He says, what's your life? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't even know what's going to happen tonight. Your life is just a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, with kids I usually talk about the kettle you know, when you flick the kettle on you get the steam coming out when the switch flicks back up again what happens to the steam? it goes the light that's in the electricity is keeping the steam the vapour going but when you flick it off when you die then you're gone it appears a little time you and I uh, we have a few uh, ones who have been in over a hundred uh, in age, uh, but you know as well as I do that we live in a in a time when life is just a vapor. Mm-hmm. We don't know when that, that time will come. We're told it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Two things I want to quickly leave with tonight. There's a confusion in life. If, uh, we look at verse 11, it says, uh, And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of the Lycomia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. You see, they were confused. They thought these men were, were some sort of uh, gods, with a small g that had, that had come in, into their midst, and now they were going to have to worship them. And they started to give Paul and Barnabas the glory of their false gods. They were going to sacrifice to them as idols of worship. And Paul and Barnabas rightly started to crackle. up. That's a Belfast term. They, uh, they started to crack up with them. And he said, look, what are you doing? We're here to preach about God. We're here to tell you about how to be saved. We're here to give all the glory to God. Do not be sacrificing to us, we are mere mortals, we are mere men, uh, after the same as you. You see, after they had explained the gospel, they wanted to do something religious. I said before, religion doesn't seem. They can do all the sacrificing they want. And Paul explains that they were to turn away from applying the sinful things of this world. They were to turn to God. We see here in Acts 14 and verse 18, they still found it hard to stop them. Look at verse 18. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto. Them. It was hard to stop these people from getting the wrong end of the stick, if you like. They were confused. But we see further on uh, as we go down into Acts 14, there was a confidence in life. Verse 19, and it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up and came out of the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Darby. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and taught many, look what happens. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and enjoining them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. When they came back, they found people who were truly saved. See, that's salvation. That's real salvation truly sin that when the preacher is gone <laughs> then the person has that relationship with Jesus Christ that is like nothing else the man in the pulpit is only but a man a sinner saved by God's grace it is you as an individual and me as an individual that must come before God and place ourselves in in His hand, and He will say, "Sin is not something to worry about." And will tell you that God will see you through this life without blame. Have you heard that? I've heard that often. God will see me okay. I pray that the the time, and uh, I'm not that bad. He'll see me okay. Uh, you know, when I die, I, well, uh, who, what type of God would condemn me? You know, uh, because I've been okay with Him. They have this thought, that he will see them through this life, they can live whatever way they want to. Why did Jesus die on the cross then? Why did Jesus give of himself, give give of his love, and die on the cross, that people could be saved? If you could live your own way, why did he die? Just leave you with this thought that you would have a desire for the truth of God's word tonight. And come and know Jesus Christ who loved you as a sinner so much that he was willing to die on the slave's cross so that you could have that cleansing of sin and that you could be fit for an eternity in the glory of heaven. If you were to die tonight right now, would you be sure of that eternal destiny? Ask yourself that question. You can be, of course. And I urge you to consider it. Speak to me or another Christian you know before you leave. Uh, and we can help you. No man can save you. No woman can save you. I can save you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. It is between you and him. But there's an encouragement there that we can give you as to... How did it Thank you for listening.